Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Happy Wednesday, everyone. We are one sleep away from ACC football being kicked off. The Huddle Crew, we will be heading live to Carter-Finley Stadium. The NC State Wolfpack will play host to the former Clemson offensive coordinator, Jeff Scott, who is now the head coach of South Florida. But Kelly, today, I've got to tell you, I'm so jacked up for this episode since we have the biggest non-conference matchup happening this week. Number three, Clemson versus number five, Georgia. In Charlotte, the Dukes Mayo Classic, one of our favorite bowls. Uh, And we're kicking this episode off with a Homer pod, KG. Let's go. As you all may know, Mac and I went to Clemson, so we will have the Clemson ACC side covered. Our guest, Mr. Wes Blankenship. Wes graduated from Georgia. He is a talent and content producer at Outsider, an independent media and lifestyle company. If you don't follow him on social media, you are missing out. He is always creating hilarious videos. Most of them revolve around America's team, Coffee Town, and they (laughs) often go viral, as they should. We're going to get into Coffee Town just a little bit and hear the origin story of this great high school uh, uh, team, if you will. But Wes also hosts his own podcast with UGA great DJ Shockley, Safe to say, KG, he's more than qualified to handle the Georgia side of things. He's also a little bit of a super fan. I don't know if that'll hurt his feelings or not that I call him that, but he's going to bring it, so let's get after it. ACC, SEC, Clemson versus Georgia. It's time for the Homer Pod. All right, Wes Blankenship joining us today. Super excited about this episode. Mac, it's another Homer Pod, Come on. so get ready. For the biggest game of, I don't know, the century, the world, the globe, (laughs) Georgia Clemson. We're super excited. Wes, thank you for joining us. Wes will be representing the Georgia contingent today. I'm sorry you're by yourself. It's two versus one. I would say we're going to take it easy on you, but I'm not going to lie to you. Bring it. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, before we dive into this, Wes, I do... Um, I feel like most people listening know who you are from Coffee Town and all that great stuff, but maybe give give our listeners a little background and specifically how Coffee Town, your amazing fictional high school football team, who's really not fictional, they're real in our hearts and minds, <laughs> came to be. Yeah, um, Clemson, Georgia aside, I'm really grateful to be on and uh, it's an honor. I mean, really, y'all, y'all have so many people you could have spoken to about this game besides me, so I, I really appreciate the uh, time that y'all are giving me and uh, can't wait for the conversation ahead. But Coffee Town is, uh, if you're not familiar with it, um, I basically just started making these little clips on TikTok a couple of years ago about a high school football radio announcer. And if you are from the South or wherever you're from in America, if you've been driving, you know, radio dial surfing on a Friday night in the fall, you've heard, uh, you know, the radio announcer calling the football game. And depending on where you're going, that signal might fade out. And then another one kind of fades in and the teams change. But a lot of times you double take and you're like, is this the same person? Because a lot of these calls, they have similar dialects. They speak the same language. Um, And it's just this passion for an American institution of high school football that, that I think, 
a lot of people keep near and dear to their hearts, whether or not they think it about think about it as much as you and I do or not. Um, you grow up around it, you can't really escape it, and it's special to so many people for so many different reasons. So I, I had always thought while I was in my local news career, you know, I, I model my career and and look up to a uh, Southern columnist named Louis Grizzard, who has passed, but he covered a lot of Southeastern sports and went to Georgia. And the fascinating thing to me about Grizzard was not only did he have his career as a columnist for the Atlanta Journal, but he also had like a stand-up career. And he he would tour and and, and like tell stories in front of audiences. And uh, he, he was pretty funny. And I always admired that because, you know, our, our careers, as y'all know, it, it all comes down to how flexible can you be? How many different things can you be good at? And I just, I always found that interesting that he could pull that off. And I, and I wondered, you know, if I were to do that, what kind of jokes would I tell? And one of the things that, that really just stuck with me was like, man, I, I bet people would really find it funny to hear a voice of someone that called this crazy high school football team where things were not always as entertaining as he made them sound. You know, <laughs> a three-yard gain where, where your voice just gets up here. You know, like that happens on a, on a high school football radio call. So that, that little kernel, I guess, just kind of snowballed throughout the years as I listened to more of these games and heard more of them. And uh, my contract at the TV station I was working at in Atlanta was not renewed in November of 1920. Uh, 1920. Good Lord, I'm not that old. 20, <laughs> 20, 2019. Okay. You look so great for being around in 1920, by the way. A real you know? old school uh, newspaper man. <laughs> exactly. I wake, up, I wake up every morning and do my stretches um, <laughs> and stay limber. No, but it was November of uh, 2019, which was a few months before the pandemic happened. So, I didn't know that at the time, but I thought, you know, this seems like a good time to uh, give this this radio thing a spin. And TikTok was new, it was on the scene. I had no idea how to use it, but I could edit things within the app. And I was like, man, this is this is a great tool. I can do these jokes. I can tell these little one-liners. I can work on this video and and just throw it out there. I I did not expect that people would identify with it the way that they did. I was you know, in the parking lot of an LA fitness one night after uh, working out. And I was just like, I'm going to try it out. So I did it. I don't know where the name Coffee Town came from. There's a town, uh, there's a county in Georgia called Coffee County. It had nothing to do with Coffee County. I mean, I've driven through it, but I've never stopped there. So maybe subconsciously it does, but I called it Coffee Town. I've you know, came up with Donnie and Ronnie Chugs, the Chugs brothers that are, you know. Never going to graduate. I, Irish twins, you know, Donnie's younger than Ronnie, but Ronnie got held back, so they're in the same, same grade. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like I just started, I just, I just, I don't know. I let it rip. I was in a moment of, like, creative freedom, and I just let it go. And uh, it just blew up. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, maybe I, maybe I should do a second game. Maybe I should do a third game. So throughout that season, it got more and more traction. And Ryan McGee quote tweeted it. 
Uh, Marty and McGee ended up putting a clip on their show. And then uh, before the Texas A&M game, SEC Nation was, am I allowed to talk about the SEC on here? <laughs> you you are. Just for this episode, because is, we're talking about Georgia. <laughs> I, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't making any, any, uh, any breaking any rules in the non- That's right. Contractual. No only, oh, I'm sorry, the, Wes. Our connection. Oh, it just broke. I'll oh, oh, see you later. No, the only rule is you have to keep your shirt on, man. That's oh. the only rule. <laughs> y'all, y'all want me to keep my shirt on? <laughs> Trust me. Um, but the alliance is scary. I don't know. I don't know. If we'll talk Mac about that. Don't worry. We'll talk me. about it. Wes, you have to say it like this. You have to say the alliance. <laughs> the alliance. <laughs> yeah, that's how you have to say. I it. Just say it like Christian Bale's Batman. That's right. Yes. <laughs> um, so anyway. SEC Nation was in Athens. It was the Georgia-Texas A&M game. Incidentally, the last Georgia home game before, you know, it was the last full attendance Georgia football home game that we've seen because of the pandemic. So I'll never forget that morning. And um, they they were like, hey, come on, you know, we're, we're in town. I did not know they were going to have me on the stage until Marty and Ryan, like I was standing there in the rain watching the show. I was like, they told me to come up here. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I was just standing there and like with, I think a minute left in the show, they're like, come on up. So, uh, the coffee town voice, I, I did not really nail it. I did not do my <laughs> coffee town voices as, as well as I should have, because I was just like, I just, I didn't feel totally prepared, but it didn't matter. I mean, at that point, coffee town had made it to the sec network and it it just will always be a memory of like man i just i just really came up with this thing and connected on the level of communities across america that i did not expect to and it's resonated and i don't know it still feels really crazy to me and, and really surreal but i do really love the the impact it's had because it's opened so many doors so many people have DM'd me and told me their football stories. People tag me every Friday night now in, in their hometown's crazy radio call on Twitter. And it's just very special to me. And I'm very grateful for it. So that's the long, the long story <laughs> of Coffee Town. And um, that's awesome. Did, did a few more videos last year. And it's just kind of taken a, a path of its own. And the more I think about it, uh, the more, you know, I take it. I don't take it too seriously, obviously, because it the nature of it. It's a it's a fake high school football radio team with with a quarterback named Reptile Henderson. I mean, how how seriously can you take that? Uh, oh, I love it. I'm assuming Reptile is going to have a big year. I'm expecting big things from Coffee Town this year. I would hope. You know, Reptile just can't get out of his own way. Unfortunately, he <laughs> oh no <laughs> he he marches to the beat of his own drum and. You know, his his sister, Brenda, who runs the wildlife, um, you know, the <laughs> the pest control <laughs> company in town, you know, she is she's moved, you know, he's she's moved reptile in to keep him in the district and smart and reptile just just kind of runs around. He, he took uh, Brenda's Honda Civic a couple weeks ago and <laughs> and and wrecked it into the water tower. And it's just, oh, he, no. he he has raw ability, but he just, he's a me guy. And mm. you guys know, if you're a me guy, you, you're trouble. So we'll see if Reptile can get out of his own way this season. 
That's right, man. I love it. And, and you know, just a, such a unique space uh, that high school football is where, I don't know, people can just relate to it so more. There's so many people who can play high school football and who did play high school football. And obviously that margin uh, gets smaller and smaller as you go to college and pro. So it, it's so funny to watch people interact and, and to see the creativity and man, we just love it. So it, it's super funny to follow. If you guys don't check it out on Twitter, uh, TikTok, he's a TikTok superstar. It's a, uh, it's a lot of fun, but Wes, as Kelly mentioned, there is a, uh, there's a rather large game being played in Charlotte this week. It's game week. This is pretty much, I mean, the, the, the most national championship type feel that you can get. So let's dive into this matchup a little bit and let's start with quarterbacks because I think JT Daniels has a really big shot here to, to be special. And, and he was lights out over a four game stretch, which I know isn't a massive sample size. And you look at the teams they, uh, Georgia went against in those four, it wasn't an, an Alabama or a Florida or, or anybody like that. But he completed 67% of his passes. He averaged over 300 yards a game, 10 yards per an attempt, which I think is very impressive, all the while being you know 10-2 and two TD to interception ratio. So, is, Wes, is this something that we can expect you know, for the rest of this season? Are we going to see him throw the ball for 300-plus a year for a full SEC interconference uh, you know, season? Or are we going to see kind of a, you know, a year two starter, a sophomore slump, if you will, you know, from JT? You know, I, I wish I could predict that clearly, but I think the thing that, that makes it difficult for me and the thing that intrigues me about this game is the level of unknown for both quarterbacks. JT, I mean, he did show out against Mississippi State. He did show out against South Carolina. And Mizzou, okay? Mizzou was a great test. M- Mizzou, to me... They were a great five and four test, yes. That is true. <laughs> on, the, on the road, though... I'm just getting the Homer pod started here. Come uh, on. <laughs> bring it. Bring it on. I already said bring it. But, no, the, the throws he made uh, at, at Mizzou in a, in a you know, pretty relatively tough atmosphere, okay? Nothing like he's going to see... Um, <laughs> through the rest of the SEC schedule with full stadiums. I'll grant you that. Um, but I was wondering about that. You know, Mississippi State and South Carolina, they, they just weren't the toughest secondary test for him. But he balled out and, you know, aired it out against Mizzou. And then Cincinnati, that was a tougher test, you know, talent-wise. But he had to make some throws to keep Georgia in that game. And he did that against Mississippi State, too. I just wasn't overall as impressed with the, the level of, of talent, okay? So all that said, those four games, Mississippi State, South Carolina, Mizzou, and Cincy, they're still not Clemson. They're still not, you know, make the joke that, that you will about Georgia's SEC schedule. I mean, the regular season, not as tough as, as other teams, but, you know, Auburn, how's he going to do against them? You know, how's he going to do uh, in, a, in a full SEC road game stadium? Like, those are things that I still don't know about him. So, a sophomore slump, I certainly do not expect that. Uh, because he's got playmakers, and he's got three five-star running backs in Georgia's backfield. That's going to help defenses, you know, it's going to help him keep defenses honest. So, the combo of Munkin, JT, the running backs, 
those are great pieces to have in place. But then you have other question marks at the wide receiver position. You've got an established talent in Kiaris Jackson, but George Pickens is out for how long? Who knows? He may never play for Georgia again. I certainly hope that's not the case, but it's a re- it, it's realistic. Okay. Now, what what he does have is really raw, freakishly good talent in guys like Arian Smith and A.D. Mitchell, who he threw a strike of a touchdown to in Georgia spring game. So the glimmers are there. The potential is there. But as my high school football coaches used to say, potential, you know, you haven't done anything with it yet. So that's what I don't know. I, I don't I don't expect a sophomore slump. I don't know if he will live up to or surpass the hype. There's so much hype on him. And uh, and he also shaved that mustache. I, that was that was a huge mistake. And I think that And wearing a turtleneck to media day, I mean just a very interesting life choice. California guy. He is. He's a California guy. So is DJ, which, you know, they they have different, different parts um, of California. Different style choices, I would say. JT Daniels, can we just be honest here? He looks like the Virginia Cavalier, right? Do you guys see that? Oh, that's great. <laughs> that is great. He looks just like him, especially with the mustache. I agree. Especially I agree. With the mustache. I totally agree. So maybe he's a little more of an ACC guy than we know. Um, Wes, that's right. I, okay, we can talk about the wide receivers. I'm not sure. I'm not sure where they've all gone, but I'm sure you have uh, some left. Um, yeah, they're gone. I, you know, there's a lot of issues there. So, okay, I want to start with the big picture here, because I do a local radio show in Clemson, and it it has it's been heated. Okay? What is your what I mean, is your radio like, what is your radio station called? 105.5 The Roar. That's right, The Roar. Yeah. I oh, love yeah. the local radio station names. Oh, my gosh. And it's been so fun. It's been so heated since, like, I would say, like, February 1st. Um, we've been talking in Clemson, Georgia, pretty much at least once a show. So from a Georgia perspective, you know, there's this this situation under Kirby where, I mean, we all know, look, Georgia should have won the 2017 national title game. I think we all can agree on that. That's that's painful. This This narrative that you can't win the big game. How do Georgia fans feel about that? Is that more of an outside narrative? Is that an internal narrative? And how is that going to affect this game? Well, if you ask Kirby Smart, uh, pressure is a privilege, you know. Um, I'm asking you, <laughs> the voice of Coffee Town. You know, I, I, I went on a... The deep sighs tell me a lot. I, I went on a, uh, a little bit of a rant after the Braves lost uh, to the Dodgers last year, Okay. And there's just this heavy, heavy feeling on the shoulders of Atlanta Falcons fans, Atlanta Braves fans, Georgia fans. That's a lot. There's a lot of intersection there. Um, Some people in that neighborhood choose to put a Georgia Tech flag outside the house. They're in a, you know, they're brave. They are like hashtag brave. I don't, I don't get that. But the people I really feel sorry for and relate with are the people that are the brave Falcons, Georgia fans, right? I commiserate, okay? But, but I, you know, I, I kind of like, I don't know, I'm not outside of that. I'm not better than that. I've just learned to be objective, jaded, expect the worst, Larry Munson at all times. So, like, you guys, you guys making fun of Georgia is like, yeah, I'll make fun of them with you because I'm, I'm ready to go. Uh, no. Um, no I, this isn't this isn't fun, no. man. I just feel bad no, for you. No, no, no. I don't. I don't need any sympathy. I, I love my dogs. And to answer your question, I just think you know. You mentioned the Alabama game. It's just 
it's fun. I, I imagine for non-Georgia fans to to laugh at Georgia's pain it is. because I, I can attest to that because they just happen to be like bumping their heads up against the ceiling at the same time that that ceiling happens to be Nick Saban, right? Like mm-hmm. no other team had, and I'm again, I'm not asking for sympathy here. I'm just objectively stating the facts. No other team in the country has to beat Alabama to even make it to the playoffs. You know, a lot of teams that are like that good, they just walk in, you know, they don't, you know, you get to play Wisconsin or Michigan state or UNC, which by the, by the way, I want to, I do want to touch on how important this game is from a, a UNC perspective. That's right. And well, a little, it, in a, you know what? In a it is bit. interesting, you know, West. but it's Alabama and Georgia. Yeah, well, you, you say, I mean? you say nobody has to play Alabama, Georgia didn't play Alabama until the national championship. So it, it's ironic that even them getting there, it didn't go through Bama. Right, but most of the time. <laughs> but why did, but why but, did, but Georgia but why could, did, but why did Georgia, Bama get there? See, look, I'm getting Bama them going, guys. Because, I'm getting well, them going. Yeah. Here we Bama, go. That was Bama, got there, Bama got there because they're, they shouldn't have made because that they're Bama. Right. They lost. That's they right. They lost to Auburn. They didn't have to play in the SEC championship game. All right. Georgia had an extra game against Auburn. Okay. Physical game. Then they, then they. I'm not going to say have to go. They get to go across the country to play in the Rose Bowl. Fantastic game. You know, I, anytime it's on TV, I still watch it. But Bama didn't do that. They went to New Orleans. I mean, I think they, I think they took an Uber to their game. <laughs> Georgia, they have residents. Georgia there. flies. Georgia flies across the country, plays in this emotional double overtime game, and then they come back. And they play Alabama. I, I mean, it's it's all those pieces, like you say. It's like it's just so Georgia. And and I heard you in the Homer Homer cast in the in the Notre Dame podcast, Kelly talk about Clemsoning and and shaking that off. And, and there are children now who don't even know what Clemsoning is. Right. <laughs> but Georgia, it is. It's like it's so Georgia that that is the path to that national championship game. Which goes to overtime, you know, from and Rodrigo give them the lead in regulation or, or, or whatever, and, and it just unfolds the way it does with Tua. I mean, there's just so many of these these things that can only happen to Georgia. Take a look at this season, all right? Um, Darnell Washington, who is going to be the guy at tight end, falls down, gets injured at practice the same day with the same injury that. Defensive back Tyke Smith gets injured, the, the transfer portal guy. Two positions where Georgia really needs depth because I'm not sure what Eric Gilbert's situation is going to be. So, so now all of a sudden Georgia has a crisis at tight end again, and Georgia has a crisis at defensive back. So all this to answer your question about the big game, can Georgia win it, all this stuff. Like so, many, so much of that is like Georgia's won big games, but they haven't been against the, the teams that matter, Alabama, you know. LSU in, in SEC championship games and the national championship. So this one, I'm not going to like diminish how big of a game it is. Of course, it's a big game. But I think, you know, I was watching the, the Braves Yankees series last week and I had a knot in my stomach watching that, that second game where the Braves had a chance, bases loaded, Freddie Freeman uh, to walk off and beat the Yankees, and they and they couldn't do it. I think this game will be similar to that. That 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 Yankees Braves series mini series felt like the postseason. 
Everyone knew that it wasn't, but it gives you that glimpse of what the postseason could feel like and, and could be like. And for Georgia, I, I'm hesitant to say they don't have that tough of a regular season schedule after Clemson, um, but it's easier. It, it's easier. Neither does Clemson. <laughs> I promise. Trust me, I know. Uh, I know. Um, but it gives both teams it gives both teams a good measuring stick of what happens. It's it's not a must win. It isn't. Um, now it become every other game after that becomes a must win if you lose. But it's not a must win in in week one. And um, I don't know. Is is it a big game? Yes. If Georgia loses this game, <laughs> am I going to say? Gosh, Georgia still can't win the big game. I, I won't. I will reserve that until okay. December and January. Mac, it sounds like uh, Clemson is the Yankees. Which is north. Wes is fine. You are further north. Right, right. We're the, That's right. The northern school in this discussion. Mac, you, let me ask you this, Mac, about DJ. Because as Wes was saying, JT has shown a lot of promise, but there's still some questions. And I think a lot of people feel that way about DJ. I mean, what we're hearing from practice is he's still just a sophomore. He's like 19 or 20, even though he's in a Dr. Pepper commercial. And he's still trying to, you know, make this team his own. So how are you feeling confidence-wise about DJ in this game, Mac? Yeah, well, the the good thing about DJ is he's so used to the bright lights. And and he's so used to the moment to where there's not going to be a moment that he's ever in now that – is too big. I mean, I mean, you look at the two games that he was able to get and play a year ago start with, with down 18 at Boston College at home. I mean, what a crazy you know thing to face as, as a true freshman. And then going on the road in a, the biggest game of the year for Notre Dame, uh, night game, NBC, prime, all this stuff, and he, he takes it to overtime, comes up a little short, but he wasn't faced. It, the, Clemson did not lose that game because of him. And, and so I think when you look at that, it just has prepared him for these moments on how to take over the team without having to to have done it, you know, from the get-go. You know, he's kind of had this crash course to where, okay, now I know how to prepare for game week. And, and I couldn't imagine what that would be like if he did not have those experiences going into this game. So it, it's, you know, COVID was such a terrible thing, but it also has its silver linings and it shows you know, how it's been positive for different things. But his arm talent, uh, Kelly, here talking to Coach Sweeney, talking to uh, Tony Elliott, it is tremendous. And, and the throws that he can make, the sidearm throws, the, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers influence throws, he does it on a regular and he, and he practices. He does it in practice and he wants to, you know, do these things to where when you do it in a game, it's just normal. And so, that's what I'm excited to see, especially against a defense that I think is going to be elite in Georgia. Uh, maybe so, not so much in the passing defense. We'll talk about that a little bit later with Wes, but I, I think it's going to be a great test, and I can't wait to see it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, uh, he's he's a big guy. He's he's, he's, a, he's a tough tough guy to bring down, he's right? Um, I'm looking on a website right now, actually, for the for the projected depth charts. It's called. Ourlads.com. They're pretty so good. Shout out, They're pretty good. I love that site. Shout out to uh, our friends across the pond <laughs> with our 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 <laughs> lads. I know, right? Ourlads.com. But uh, they have his height listed as six thousand forty. So I don't know what unit of measurement that is. <laughs> Huge. I assume they mean six six four. But if he's six thousand, if he's six thousand feet tall, I it's over. <laughs> it's over. 
I think six four. Six four is, no, is six, probably six, short. Six, He's six, huge. Six four two fifty, man. That's, that's a load. A, that's not but, a uh, small quarterback. But no, Georgia's had really good defenses. Have trouble with a freshman quarterback, but he's not a freshman anymore. But a a a, a new, I'll say that, an, an an inexperienced quarterback before, right? Those memories just haunt you guys, don't they? They, they don't leave. They don't leave. Well, here, let's talk about something Georgia knows a lot about, Wes. Let's talk about running backs, okay? Yeah. You got all RBU. of them. You got like seven of them. Um, what are we hearing about Zamir White, James Cook? Who, who do you expect to really show out? So I mentioned the three five stars, okay? James Cook, Zamir White, also known as Zeus. Zeus. Uh, right. And Kendall Milton. Um, I mean, Kendall Milton also – uh, from California, I believe. So I, I don't, I don't know, like why California feels the need to come play in the. In it's the so SEC. relevant Maybe. in this game. <laughs> and the ACC DJ. Yeah, I th- yeah DJ is is playing too. So California really on the stage here. All those guys aside, there is a running back named Kenny McIntosh, not a five star guy. But he's the one that I would like almost be the most worried about because really? because once the other three have rested, Kenny is a little hungry, a, hu- hungry H O N G R Y, and and he's a little he's got a little bit more of a chip on his shoulder because he didn't have as much of of a claim coming in right. He is a load too, so that's like. How do you stop that? Like that—that that is the the thing that Georgia has in its favor, and it's not even like the, it's not even the same way that it that it used to be. Like in two thousand, I don't know, even as recently as twenty seventeen, you would have thought of that as like these guys are going to be fresh and running downhill and toting the rock, which they will. But in a Todd Munkin offense, who now has had a spring without COVID. Um, you know, restrictions to actually work with his team and actually get his plan in place, something he didn't have last year. He's drawing up a lot for these guys as pass catchers and they can all do it. I mean, the, the James Cook wheel route against Bama. I mean, that should show you on film how dangerous he is almost as like this slot wide receiver running back combo. Okay. So, uh, Kendall Milton's more of kind of like the the quick, a little bit shorter. He's physical, kind of reminds me of of Nick Chubb a little bit. James Cook's fast. Zamir White's like the perfect combo of everything. And then Kenny McIntosh comes in, and he's a little bit like like Zeus from a from a load standpoint. So, I mean, you've got every box check that you could want from a skill standpoint at the running back position. And once you know if if uh, JT is able to air it out and find success against Clemson secondary doing that, they are now a little bit further back and it does open up lanes for all four of these running backs to pick up some, some yards between the tackles. Georgia doesn't run the toss sweep anymore. And I really miss that. I miss, I miss the fullback. I don't really come down on Kirby too hard for much, but not having a fullback anymore is is really hard for a Georgia purist to to square. But all all that is it just shows you if Georgia's offense is working the way that Munkin wants it to run, has designed it to run, 
than the pass and run. Maybe, you know, the, the tables may have flipped a little bit. It used to be Georgia might have run 60, pass 40. I think Georgia wants to pass 60, run 40. I don't know. That's that's what I think. I'm an idiot, though. I mean, I, I mean, do you do you still feel that way, though, even with Pickens being out and, and with, you know, having such limited, I mean, having such limited known yeah. commodities at the receiver and tight end position? Do you still feel like that'll be the case, or are they going to have to be run heavy at least to start? And get their feet wet. You know, knowing Kirby, UAB's coming up in week two. Kirby might not want to put much on film against Clemson. So he might <laughs> Oh, that's he smart. might want to that's lean. Smart. That's no disrespect. Yeah, that's super teams vanilla. From Alabama. No disrespect. Super vanilla. I understand. No disrespect to UAB. Well, and using the running backs in the passing game, Wes, I think that's that's a very good point. And, you know, it's something Clemson did a bunch last year with Travis Etienne when you didn't have the wide receiver core that you had in, in previous years. You didn't have like a first round guy, so Justin Ross was hurt. So you're using ETN a bunch in the passing game. I could very much see that, as you mentioned, with James Cook. Um, I, I think that's that's a good tool. But I'm at so going into this game, like a couple months ago, I thought, okay, Georgia's really revamping their wide receiver room, right? Even with George if George Pickens wasn't injured, I think this conversation would be a little different. But with all the recent injuries, I think Clemson now, even though Clemson's had its share of injuries. Everybody's injured. Guys, yeah, every, everybody Justin, has injuries. Right, right, right. But Georgia seems to have more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you so, hear about them more. About that. Again, you hear about them more after a don't loss, this, don't you? Yeah, yeah, you do. But I think Clemson has the advantage there. But I do think Georgia has the advantage in the running back room. And that's I think that's a question a lot of Clemson fans are asking is, what the heck is the running back situation going to look like for Clemson? I mean, we're hearing good things about every guy, which to me wonders if we really – Mm. have a if, guy if, you know if everybody's good the question if everybody's good nobody's right. good right yeah right. right and will shipley's probably the most talented but he literally just got there and his senior season of football was canceled due to COVID, so he hasn't played a, a real football game in a very long time so that's if from a clemson perspective i think that's a concern can you establish the run early and get dj to settle in and be a little more comfortable i don't know i feel like lynn j dixon's going to start mac but yeah, I'm not sure he'll finish the game. Yeah, right. And, and I've really, I've got kind of a couple of thoughts on this. Number one, from the the position group itself, you know, I, I think when you lose a guy like Travis Etienne that did so much for you and could do so much for you for four straight years and, and was just, you know, probably the best running back in ACC history when when you look at what he was able to accomplish, um, you can't just replace him with one guy. That that's not going to be the case. And so Clemson is going to have to be very strategic with. How do we rotate guys? Do, are we tipping our hand when X player goes in? Uh, so they're going to have to you know, just figure it out and, and have more of a consistent game plan where it's okay, we're going to give this guy X amount of snaps, this guy X amount of snaps. So I think it is going to be kind of running back by committee, maybe for the entire season. Now you expect for somebody to separate and, and to eventually become the guy, but that might not be the case. There, there's plenty of talent there. Um, and then Kelly, what you said, uh, you know, about establishing the run. I don't know if you if this is the game to try to measure that against a team like Georgia, who is so successful at stopping the run. I don't think you want to pull out your yeah. I, I don't want to. I don't think you want to pull out your measuring stick and say, okay, this is where we're going to prove we can run the ball. Because I think that's how you lose. To be quite honest, you know, I, I think Georgia is more of their bread and butter, and Clemson's defense is going to be you know ready to prevent that run, but. Clemson just is built a little bit differently, and I think they need to rely on this loaded wide receiver room 
where it's four and five stars everywhere you look, this loaded tight end room, and by the fact that you have, you know, maybe one of the best quarterbacks in your recent history, which is crazy to say. So I, I would almost be disappointed if I see Clemson running into the teeth of this Georgia defense trying to prove a point. Let, let's just do what you do best. Let's get on the edge. Let's get into leverage and number situations because I, I just don't think you're quite built for that right now. So it, it'll be interesting to see what this game plan looks like. But Wes, let's move to the defensive side of the ball because I, I think that everybody expects Georgia to, again, have a great year. Obviously, it's your head coach's bread and butter, his his mantra, defense, defense, defense. And, you know, they were dominant a year ago, uh, stopping the run. The passing defense was, you know, averages grits. And, and, and I thought there was going to be some real uh, solutions in that. You just mentioned the young man getting hurt. You know, I think Darion Kendrick can certainly be a, a bright spot and, and a helping spot. But, I mean, how, how are you feeling the defense? Are you kind of with me? Are you thinking the pass defense still going to be a bit of a struggle and lock down the run? Or what are your thoughts on that defense? Yeah, just like I had mentioned that, Georgia's running backs can help set up the pass. You know, Georgia's defense is at its best when they've got a load up, up the middle at defensive line. They've got a freak at middle linebacker, and Georgia has both of those this season um, with Jordan Davis and with N'Kobe Dean. But how much can you let those guys anchor it down how, when, when your secondary is unproven, unhealthy, or gone in the transfer portal? Because you can't, you can't allow the perimeter of that defense, guys like uh, Trevon Walker or Nolan Smith, um, you, can't, you can't let them loose. You can't send them on, on those pass rush you know, assignments without worrying like, okay, did we just leave ourselves totally exposed in the secondary? I mean, it, it, it's, it's really it's a concern for Georgia with everything you mentioned that the pass is Clemson's strength. The passing game is Clemson's strength because, yeah, if Clemson can run well, then they win this game going away. I don't, I don't think, like you mentioned, I don't think that's the wise route to take. I think that would be a, a bold strategy, Cotton. But it would, <laughs> when you, it when would you look – Yeah. But, I mean, Georgia had to go to Clemson transfer portal to get a I guy know. to How do you start. feel about the mole? You guys have a mole. <laughs> I think that's I think that's so overrated. I think oh, that's I such a, an overrated storyline. No um, or is it? Uh, but no. I, but uh, but yeah. When you, Georgia's safety Lewis Sign is uh, a headhunter, and if he if he makes it to the second half without a targeting call, that in and of itself is a win for Georgia because he knocked Kyle Pitts out of the season for Florida uh, in Jacksonville last year. It, it was like. Really, the only thing that Georgia's defense did well was find a way to get Kyle Pitts out. I don't celebrate injuries, but literally taking, taking Kyle Pitts out of the game was, was Georgia's biggest, biggest success. Um, there's just experience back there from a, an age class standpoint, but not so much a total reps standpoint. Christopher Smith is a kid, uh, not a kid anymore, he's a senior playing safety. Um, who is like fundamental genius. Like he's not going to miss an assignment, um, but I don't know if he would have started if Georgia was at full strength and if they hadn't lost so many people to the transfer portal. On the flip side of that, they've got Keely Ringo, um, who's, I believe, a redshirt freshman. And 
he has, by all accounts, you know, kind of stepped right up and found a way to to master what Kirby expects in the secondary. And that's that is Kirby's jam is the secondary, um, obviously. So if you're that young and you've impressed Kirby enough to potentially be a starter there, I mean, my gosh, that 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 in and of itself, we want to talk about expectations. The expectations are high for for Ringo too. So that's a name that people didn't see on the field much last year that for Georgia's defense, I believe, could end up being a make or break uh, addition to this defense against against Clemson. But yeah, I mean, you mentioned all the upfront talent that could give DJ trouble. Um, if they can't send those guys, if, Lan- if, if Lanning can't send those guys without worrying, you know, advantage Clemson because until Georgia's secondary is proven. And look, I'm not saying that if you're a Georgia fan listening to this, I'm not saying that this isn't a position group that by the end of the year won't be in lockstep with the front. But as of right now, they just aren't. And uh, it's it's going to make things interesting for Georgia defensively and, and give Clemson a lot of hope, I think, offensively to do what they want to do until those guys start to get more reps. And it's a good reminder, Wes, that this is game one. So you have that aspect when you have different position groups that we just don't know what they're going to look like. I think Clemson's running backs are that. Georgia's secondary is probably in that mold. And, you know, I saw a video last week that it really irked me, Mac. And I just want, can I, I just need the pulpit for a second, okay? Because it was, I, I'm not going to name the people, um, but they may have been SEC leaning. And he said they were picking Georgia to win the game. And the reasoning was Georgia's better on both sides of the ball at the lines of scrimmage. And I thought, that, that is false. Like, I, if you say that, I don't feel like you know what you're talking about. And, of course, they didn't name a single Clemson player, just named Jordan Davis. Now, does Georgia have the advantage from an O-line perspective? Yes. I think every single Clemson fan in the entire uh, globe is worried about Clemson's offensive line, and they should be. Um, but on the flip side, I think Clemson's defensive line could be the best in the country and is one of their absolute strengths when you look at Brian Brzee, Tyler Davis, Miles Murphy, and Xavier Thomas. What is he going to look like? This is a former five-star that we're expecting big things from. You add in Maskell, you add in all these different guys. So I do think Clemson has an advantage on the defensive line. And, you know, Georgia's O-line is good. But to me, that's where I think if, if Clemson, if, you're, if you want to feel good about Clemson, that's where you look. I would not say Georgia, I, I think it's, it's the generic thing to say the SEC team has the advantage at both lines of scrimmage, but I don't think that's true. <laughs> whoa, don't call people out. I'm just saying generic. I'll let you start whoa. on that, Mac. I'll let you start. Mac, do, am I off base? You're a guy who no, played no, no, on the lines no. of scrimmage. Yeah, no, you're 100% correct. And, and when you look at, at this Clemson defensive line, uh, I mean, first of all, Coach Sweeney has already compared these guys to the 2018 team, which had three first-round draft picks. And, and these guys are just sophomores. And, and so it's crazy to think about when you look at a guy – like a Brian Brzee, who talking to him in the spring and and now going into the fall and into the season, he says, listen, I'm learning how to play football now, which is terrifying. He was an All-American last year. He had, you know, five sacks as a true freshman. I'm learning how to play. He's not just relying on his God-given talent and size. He's understanding, you know, when he sees different alignments, when he sees different pressures, what's going to be coming. And, And that should be terrifying. He's six foot five, 300 pounds, and now he's getting smarter. Uh, when you look at a guy like Miles Murphy, who 
is running down Jeff Sims, who is one of the most athletic quarterbacks in the country, not just the ACC, and he's hawking him down from behind. A guy like Tyler Davis, when healthy, is unmovable. And so when you look at all those guys and then you add in a couple of X factors of a Justin Foster who didn't play a year ago, of an Xavier Thomas who has not been healthy and and dealt with all kinds of mental issues and and, uh, things that that COVID brought, Uh, now that he is going to be fully healthy, this D-line is going to be the best in the country. And, And I think any other year, if you're Georgia, you're feeling really, really good. But Guess what? You got a little bit of a question mark at left tackle, and you've got a little bit of a question mark at center. That Kirby has came out and said, "Listen, mm. we, there's times we can't even snap the ball." And, and so, how important is that? So, Wes, talk to me about this offensive line. To be fair, Clemson is struggling. That's at right. That's as not well. important right now, Kelly. We're <laughs> yeah. talking about Georgia. Uh, yeah, Wes, yeah. tell me about a little bit about the offensive line and, and a little rebuttal, if if you'd like. There's probably not much about the the defensive line there, but go ahead. Oh. No, I. No, no. I think for for Dabo to compare it to that that 2018 class that had all those first round draft picks, I I don't think Clemson really had a first round draft pick other than those guys between them and Trevor. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that's special. Isaiah, um, come on, bro. We we have first DBs, round draft picks. Couple come DBs, on, we've got whatever. a couple. Come on, <laughs> AJ Terrell. Yeah, come on. He's with your Falcons. How do you not know that? Come on. Well, he should have gone to Georgia. So that's uh, ah. neither here nor there. Here's the deal with Georgia's offensive line. It's uh, it's a little bit like the secondary to a lesser extent. There's more. There are more reps there across the board. Um, but you've got Jamari Sawyer, who is really not supposed to play left tackle, playing left tackle, and he did a really good job last year doing it. But but Georgia's offensive line, I don't even know, I don't think Kirby has even like announced, you know, who the starting five is. And that doesn't make me worry from a from a talent standpoint. It just like from a cohesive, like you know, Eric, from a from a cohesive standpoint, an offensive line, you want to be in sync. You know, you, you want to you want to know like how you work together and maybe they do, but I don't know who, who that five is um, between Sawyer, Justin Schaefer, Warren Erickson, Tate Ratledge and Warren McClendon. You know, there's, there's depth there. Cedric Van Pran is a guy that is like, apparently like the next big thing for Georgia's O-line. Um, but there's just, I don't want to say question marks. Question marks makes it sound like they have to prove themselves from a talent standpoint. They've got the talent. I just don't know, right. like, yeah. can they dance together? You know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm interested to see that, especially against uh, that D-line that you mentioned. That is terrifying. <laughs> I'm actually very, very frightened. <laughs> to be fair, though, Cle- Clemson's O-line is a question. I think both O-lines are a question. I would give Georgia the edge if we're just comparing O-lines. But I would give Clemson yeah. the edge if we're comparing D lines. So I mean, that's where yeah. I think this game is is going to be really fun. If not an edge, it's if not an edge a D line, it's a wash um, because oh. Georgia's D line. I mean, look, Georgia's D line is freakishly good yeah. too. Yeah. Um, I'm not taking anything away from Clemson's. I'm just saying, like, Georgia's O line definitely better than Clemson's O line, but that's not really what matters, is it? It's it's which which O line is better than the corresponding. D line and uh, yeah, I I think when it comes to Clemson's D line against Georgia's O line, I would give Clemson's D line the advantage. But I would very like head and shoulders 
gives Georgia's D line the advantage over Clemson's O line. So okay, we shall see. Especially with the uh, with JT Daniels, he loves to air it out. He loves to throw it deep, and he can throw it deep. He's got players to throw it deep too. Jermaine Burton was one of those guys against Mississippi State that he did it uh, that he connected with, and, and Kiaris Jackson as well, and Arian Smith, like I mentioned, like all SEC track star. You know, like the speed is there. You know, the game experience, maybe not, but Marcus uh, Rosme Jack Saint had a freakish leg injury against Florida. He's back. And then uh, Dominic Blaylock, Blaylock is back after tearing two ACLs. I mean, I, I find it hard to imagine he'll be at 100% of his, you know, former capacity. But A.D. Mitchell is like that young, unproven talent on the edge. So a lot of question marks that we might not have fully answered in this game, but we'll at least have a better picture of. How does Georgia's O-line allow JT Daniels to give those weapons time to get down the field? Yeah, I love it, man. This has been such a fun conversation. Let's wrap it up real quick here. Uh, Who do you think is going to be the MVP of the game? I assume that you're picking Georgia. Who do you think is going to be your MVP? My MVP is the kicker, Jack Podlesny. (laughs) And uh, and I really think it's going to come down to to a kick. And uh, if he makes it, I'm giving him the MVP. And and he's a he's a great kid. Um, I know, like, gosh, who? Of course, I'm going to say that about about a kicker. But he is. He is like gotten a chance to meet him a couple times at, at different like fundraising things and spoken with him. And like, he's just for a guy that has to replace Rodrigo Blankenship, like the biggest cult hero and recent in recent college football history you know jack doesn't care about that and uh he's got a great head on his shoulders that's what you want for a kicker other than a great foot on his leg i guess um and he just he just he doesn't get rattled he hit the winner against cincinnati um i believe in him it's it's like a a piece that every college football team needs and for this game with it being as evenly matched as as i believe it should be uh, I, I think he'll be the MVP. There you go. Who's the Clemson player you're worried about, if you had to name one? Probably the kid to just learn how to play football but was already really good at football. <laughs> Brzee. Oh. Yeah, Brzee, Brzee, I mean, that is, that's the one for me. I, I think that's the disruptor. If he's able to disrupt at the level that, um, that I believe he can, Gosh, that's the one that could be the game changer for Georgia against that unproven line. If if JT doesn't have a, a clean pocket, if he's got people in his face all game and uh, he's not able to get time to make this offense hum, you know, not that one guy can win the game or anything, but if Clemson wins, I, I got to imagine Brzee's in the conversation to be the MVP for the Tigers. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he's going to be special. All right, last one before we get you out of here. You think it's going to be a close game? You think the kicker's going to be the MVP for Georgia? Give me a score, man. And we're not going to hold you accountable to this. We're not going to put it all over Twitter. Oh, no, we are. We are. <laughs> you're being too nice. But hit me. Let, me, let me. let me hear what you're thinking. Okay, I'm going to say 37-35 Georgia. And a game-winning field goal. 37. Yep. Wow. Right. I love it, man. Wes, this was so much fun, this brother. Thank you for Ooh. your time. Uh, super excited for this game and, and to get this out to all of our uh, our listeners. I appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate y'all. Uh, just thank you again for the time and good luck this season. 
and uh, looking forward to a good game in Charlotte. Big thank you to Wes for joining us here on Game Week. And I know that he's going to be watching with knots in his stomach, as he said, as most Clemson fans will be. And I also think, Mac, you know, the rest of our ACC listeners, this is a huge game, so the preview is interesting, but it's very much a pride of the ACC kind of game, ACC versus SEC, as a lot of these games end up being. So really appreciate Wes's time, and I'm glad that we all can agree that we are all Coffee Town fans. And, and that's where we agree. And then maybe we disagree with Georgia Clemson, but he was a great guest. <laughs> no, there's no question about it. Great insight, great uh, just fan perspective, and, and super fun to have Wes on and, and really you know knows what he's talking about. And, and it's cool to have somebody who is you know not necessarily connected to the program, but obviously follows it so closely. Uh, Wes killed it. Funny guy, hilarious. Again, if you do not follow him on social media, go check it out. Uh, he, he actually just started Instagram, I think, a couple of months ago, so he's new to that world. Uh, but on TikTok, on Twitter, he is hilarious. So, Kelly, I, I have to ask you now, uh, we discussed it with Wes kind of at the end there with who his MVP and, and who he's worried about, things of that nature. So I want to ask you, uh, looking at the Clemson side, I assume you have them winning. Maybe you don't. Uh, I assume you have them winning. Who will be your MVP for the Clemson Tigers in this game? Okay, so I, I do have Clemson winning. I have them barely covering my final score is 31-27. I think it's going to be very close. I think just like Wes, it's going to be close, and Vegas has that number pretty much accurate. Um, my MVP, I think you could go with either quarterback. So I'm going to stick away, stay away from the quarterback just because I think the quarterback, and you might have DJ, and that's fine, Mac. I think DJ is going to play really well. My MVP for Clemson, I think, is going to be Justin Ross. I think Justin Ross is going to be back. We're hearing he's 100%. We're hearing that he's not being held back mentally or physically. So Justin Ross is is the guy. I think he's going to be the MVP. The player that worries me for Georgia, I'm going to stick offensively, and it's what Wes was getting at with Georgia using their running backs in the passing game, and it's James Cook. I know that Zeus and Zamir White is all the talk, but James Cook was 16 receptions last year in a limited season um, with a bunch of quarterback turnover. I think he worries me. The wheel route scares me. Um, the running back passing game scares me, as it scared people last year with Etienne. So James Cook is the guy that I'm keeping my eye on for Georgia. What say you, Mac? Yeah, I love it. Well, you, you know, there's a reason that we co-host a podcast together. There's a reason we talk all the time and, and all this stuff. So we, we kind of know each other's answers. And uh, I'm going with Justin Ross as well. I, I think he okay. is going hey, to have... that's fair. Yeah, it is. And, and he's that good. And he's going to have that much of an impact that I think he deserves a double scoop here. I think this is going to be his welcome back party. This is going to be his, oh, y'all forgot who I am party. And and I think he's going to truly dominate. And, you know, obviously having a quarterback that can deliver any type of pass. We we talked with Coach Sweeney a couple of weeks ago, kind of wrapping up our summer series. And he said, listen, defensive backs have no chance with DJ throwing the ball. Now you're adding in a first-round talent, six foot four, 210, 15 pounds. The, The margin of error... Kelly is exceptionally small, and it's very small for these Georgia defensive backs, as you heard from Wes, as you heard from us. That's not the position group that they're feeling great about. And so I think Clemson is going to find ways to really take advantage of this, and I think that's going to be moving Justin around. I think we're going to see him out wide. I think we're going to see him in the slot. I think we're going to see him going into motion, just trying to get mismatches. Clemson does such a great job of, okay, you think we're going to do this? 
we're going to go a different way with it and just try to get those matchups. So I'm with you. I'm going Justin Ross. I think he has a huge day, multiple touchdown day, uh, 100-plus yards receiving, maybe touching 200. I think he's going to have that big of a day. Who I'm worried about uh, is Jordan Davis on the defensive line for Georgia. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Clemson needs to know where he is at all times. And Clemson needs to have either design double teams or design chip with a running back when it's a pass pro. And, and this is one thing, Kelly. Normally when you have these big, you know, massive SEC defensive linemen, they're not great at, you know, rushing the passer. Jordan can do it all. And, and he's that good. And he's a guy that can tear you up on the run and get after you in the pass. And so Clemson's going to have to identify him and, and have to have a game plan ready, which I'm sure they will. So, um, that that's my guy that that I am uh, really worried about. What's your score, Eric McLean? So you guys know that I historically think in these type of games that there's going to be a blowout, and and I think there's one team that's ready, and I think there's one team that's not. I don't think this is going to be as bad, uh, just because of of some newness uh, on both sides of these teams and and some new players for each. But I do think Clemson makes a statement. Uh, I'm going 35-17. I think the Tigers come out on top and and really are humming. I think they're able to limit the run. I don't think they shut it down, but I think they limit Georgia's run just because they know that's going to be such an important piece. And the defense, you know, really thrives. And maybe there's a touchdown late to get Georgia to that 17. But I'm feeling confident in the Tigers. Uh, I think they're really ready to to make some noise and to again remind people there's been a lot of a lot of disrespect. I'm sure there's a lot of receipts out there for Clemson uh, of people writing them off. So. I think the Clemson, uh, Clemson handles business. All right, Mac. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I think it's going to be closer. Just, you know, there's going to be a lot of first game jitters, mistakes, things like that. So I don't think either team is going to look perfect, but I also think it's going to be a great game. I, I cannot wait. Come I'm on. actually going to be at the game, so I'm very excited about that. Mac, I know you'll be working, right? Sadly, I will be watching it. I will be in Connecticut watching it on about a six-inch monitor. No, we'll blow it up. Okay. We'll have it on the big screen. Well, I we'll will be the there in screen. spirit. So, I will I will bring your That's, spirit please do. to Bank please of do. America. Please do. It's going to be so fun. Cannot wait for this season, guys. Friday, we're going to break down every game for the weekend. Cannot wait to dive into it and get back to our normal schedule. So we'll be going Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, from here on out, just giving you guys all the recap on Monday. We'll have a great guest that is emphasizing the uh, kind of game of the week, if you will, uh, on Wednesdays for you. And then, of course, Friday, we break down the entire weekend and preview the weekend. Guys, that's it for this episode of Gramlick and McLean. We always appreciate you guys listening. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, subscribe to our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating, write us a review. It's always great to hear from y'all. But until next time, we'll see y'all.